It do be feeling like a Sunday. What's after breakfast? What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. I'm very excited. I wish, and I know I'm in the minority when I say this, you but are, I yeah. wish that I also had Thursday and Friday off every week. So I only worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't want to have to work any of those days. I don't want to have to do any of that. So tell us, what's your dream job? Darling, I've told you several times before, I have no dream job. I do not dream of labor. I do not dream of labor. I just don't want to work. I'll labor at something. I just want to bang on my drum all day. That's Haley. You'll labor at laying down. As long as you can lay down. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I um worked from home on Tuesday, no, wait, Wednesday, and I that's what I did. I laid in bed and worked, and it was fantastic. And then I thought about how dangerous that was if I was a full-time work-from-home employee, because I would just, you know, Eartha Kitt's character and Harriet the Spy, mm-hmm. where she just, like, doesn't get out of bed. But she has, like, a badass, like, cool... She's very wealthy. And, and like, a little dog. Yeah. And the dumbwaiter. And yeah. she doesn't have to get out of bed. Like, that's what I would think I was. But I would actually be, like, um, like what's eating Gilbert Grape, where oh you're just, like, used to the bed. I would genuinely be, like, Brandon, we're going to have to learn how to turn Haley <laughs> so she doesn't get bed sores. Yeah. Because this bitch isn't getting I'm up. I'm not getting up. No. I can help it. I, I, you, I mean, I, both of us are, Lisa and I both work from home. Lisa, not as by choice. No, I'm being forced. But when the new office is finally done being renovated, then she'll be gone. But I don't work from my bed unless I really feel like shit. Is that, am I just depressed? No, you don't seem depressed. Maybe your the body's most, depressed. <laughs> mm-hmm. The I most mean, depressed people never seem depressed. Okay. Yeah. That's what they say. But I think Should depressed think people can also seem now? depressed too. I think it's a spectrum. <laughs> okay. <true>. Like yeah. <laughs> I, if I think about my friends who are depressed, they seem depressed to me most of the time. <clears throat> <laughs> Not mentioning any names. No names need be mentioned. No I'm stuck in my giant pants. You are wearing your... This is when he's Colt outfit. It's a long, flowing set. It makes me feel like poor Gwyneth Paltrow. Because I don't know what Gwyneth would wear, but it wouldn't be this. Gwyneth poor trail. Poor trail, yeah. Lenneth poor trail. It's not even funny. (laughs) Did you say Lenneth? Lenneth, yes. Because, you know, like my middle name is also Len. So we'll go Lenneth. Lenneth poor trail. Yes. Resident cult leader, uh, John's banging around. He's putting up Christmas lights. It's Christmas, John. Got the car. I said Christmas, John. You know what? John makes up nicknames for himself, and recently one of them is Big Christmas, <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't even remember why. Hey, Big Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's one of them. So now he is truly embracing Big Christmas because this came up long before it was Christmas time. He's got to live up to the name now. Yeah. On our way to Thanksgiving, he called himself Papa John. That's already a thing. I I know. And I was like, I don't know if you want to. I mean, he could fix it. He could fix the name. 
The name is tarnished. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he so he's going to come if in. Truly, like, yeah, if he reclaims. He's going to learn how to make pizza. And kill lions. Did he do? Did I think Papa John did some killing of wild beasts. Oh, yeah. I could mm. see that. He's Republican, so I only assume he's. That's what they do. He's hunted <laughs> they large, horrible shit, animals. Man. Or not horrible animals. He's in some adventure club animals for sure. Yeah. Ugh. The Adventure Club. Barf. There's so many. Yeah. Barf. There's all different names and all different subsects. Yeah. Nary a liberal person in any of those groups. It would seem. Oh, I it bet would there seem. are. Oh, yeah. I bet. Any of the true crime stories associated with them, if somebody's right. safariing, you can make some assumptions about their political alignments a lot of the time. That is true. Yeah. I think I know one that might not be, but I can't talk about it. <clears throat> well, we can cut it. Can we cut th- I don't know that he ever killed anything, but he would go to go on safari. go on safari a lot, mm. a lot, a lot, a lot. So I know, and I know he at least enjoys the visage of voting Democrat. Mm. Well, at least that's a contribution. It's yeah. I don't it's, think it's, it's quite it's literally like the bare trade. minimum. Yeah. I don't think it's a it's a family trade. like the whole family is white knight bullshit yeah oh. and it, it's almost like i'd rather you just not yeah i don't want you on anywhere near me Ew. no that's what we should be doing is tricking rich people into i know exactly did you see my new hand you did you see my new hand that i bought it's over there reach out to my the new gold hand. one <laughs> touch my new hand yeah yeah it's new did you dig that up from the ground I wish it would probably be cursed. Yeah, that's a whole. Don't. Do you need a napkin? Uh, Did you spill a liquid and you (laughs) might need a napkin? I just wanted to know. No, I've got sleeves for that. There you go. I'm grown. Yeah, it was just sticking out of the ground and I just dug it right up. There was that nice gold hand. Uh, Idle hands? No, it was like last, last year on Halloween. I think it was like a. It's either like an old folktale that was adapted by some famous director or it was like a Stephen King short story that was adapted. It's about a woman who like lost her arm and she got a gold arm and she started to covet her arm and it started to like reject because your body doesn't process that shit. And she got buried with her gold arm and then her husband was like, "Um, I need to support our fucking family now that you're dead and I'm going to dig up your gold arm. Was it like a monkey paw situation? Kind of. My golden arm. Yeah. Like that. Exactly. And that she came up and like haunted them and, and stuff. I have to look. Just yeah. That bitch it, has a, it has a famous, famous people in it. I remember it being like, I just remember seeing it like on TikTok, it being like a thing for a couple of weeks. Was it like a short? It's just called Golden Arm. <laughs> no, God, come on. Who's in this? Wait, no, let me double no, check. No, I think That's you're not wrong. It. But there was a movie called Golden Arm that came yeah. out in 2020 that was a comedy. But that is like about like, ah, oh, the kid's got a golden arm, like throwing things well. It's a short story That's from a longer 50 states of, of fright. fright. And yeah. the, the episode is called The Golden Arm. I don't know. I can't. I'm not recommending this to it's anybody. It's like Goosebumps for it adults. It has Re- Evan Rachel Wood in it. What? Yeah. Oh, it's that. No, that's Rachel Brosnahan. Okay. No, that's Evan Rachel. That Wood. is Rachel Brosnahan. No, you're wrong. Okay. Prove <laughs> it. I don't feel like it. I'm not. It's looking because to break you're this wrong. Tie. It's Mrs. Maisel. 
It's oh, not. Well, I get those two confused all the time. It's not Evan Rachel Wood. You're it's right. Mrs. Maisel. They're both Rachel. And they both have those little tiny faces. They do have Don't tell me faces. that these aren't the same people. They aren't the same they people aren't. because Evan Rachel Wood is cooler. Evan Rachel Wood is a Chloe Savigny. Yeah, she's... And Rachel, Rachel Brosnahan is. is like a Deborah Messing. Yes, absolutely. No, they're all the same. Evan Rachel Wood's an it girl. Also, or was. It girl, yeah. So I just started watching the movie and I paused it called Lizzie about Lizzie Borden. I was also. Uh, Oh, is that the one with Chloe? Oh, Chloe Savigny. Savigny. I don't know. I don't know. Um, And is that also the one with. Case two. Oh, it's with Kristen Stewart. It's not the Christina Ricci one. Mm -mm. No. And this one came out this year. And like as soon as I hit play and realized who was in it, I was like, "When are they gonna kiss?" Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Before I left the house, and I'm not halfway done. I was like, "Chloe can play her age range for it her is face wild. is insane." Yeah, because mm-hmm. the last thing I saw her in, because she's she was old, old, old. What was she in? And she was someone's mom, and she was just like looking rough. And then in yeah. this movie from this year, I'm like, "But you look, you look our age. Yeah. She's like, what's 48. happening? Yep. What? Well, and she's been what? on this scene since she was like so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she was a '90s it girl and was way too young to be doing that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Where she plays someone's mom, though. It's a boy's mom. And he goes missing. Oh, she's the mom. It's in the text I love you murder. Now die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the text murder. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. 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 That's what it was. I didn't hate that. I was very confused that Cara Delevingne and and Fanning look so much alike. Mm. It's a problem for me. She only looks like Cara Delevingne eyebrows. when she gets the big eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. Because John and I fought over that. He was like, that's Cara Delevingne. And I was like, that is Elle Fanning. I fought myself over it. Yeah. CJ would not know what the fuck right. I was talking You're like, about. this person. Have you ever seen him in the same room? Well, here we are. Should we tell our stories? Do we need to talk poop before we get into it? Probably. I, I just feel like okay. we haven't. I prepared myself with lots of stomach stuff for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and everything's been good so far. I'm so glad. And usually it hits me on day two. So this would be diarrhea day. D day. Yeah. Today is my D day and nothing has happened. So calling it my D day is really my personal D day. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you're at a relative's home. Mm hmm. You have a D moment. I have a D day? You have a D moment. Okay. Maybe one of many. Who knows? Usually for me, D day begins and the bombings don't stop until the sun (laughs) goes down. It's just like Normandy. The horror. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like. We lost a lot of good men that day. Though I will say I'm usually, if I am out, I can hold it you are if a I seasoned yeah. warrior yes so yes. i can hold it if i have to i prefer not to so if i'm at home yeah bombs going off yeah constantly oh i'm in the God. command center i'm sending the bombs it's happening but if i'm overseas 
on unfamiliar territory, I'm a little bit more cautious. Okay. Yeah. And I'll try to, you know, get back home if possible, but. But you might run out of gas. Yeah. I, there's a lot of things that could happen. Yeah. So, so let's say you're okay, at, so you're overseas. I'm overseas. You drop a bomb. Mm-hmm. Oops. The bomb has left some residue that is not. Clean it with a toilet paper. You flush the toilet and clean it with toilet paper as best you can until it fills up. If that's not working, <laughs> Whitney is you look seasoned. for the wand. <laughs> yeah. Of course. If it's something little, I'll try. But if it's a relative's house, like I'm just going to ask where the I assume where there's the a wand is. next to the toilet yeah. anyways. What if it's an in-law's house? I'm not I'm not doing anything. I'm leaving it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't think that seriously about this kind of stuff. I don't really have any in-laws. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely been places where I don't want to leave evidence of like a bombing. Right. So, you yeah, want those are those are my moves. Stealth espionage. First, yeah. Second flush, then going in with toilet paper if need be. If I'm at my in-laws house and I'm that concerned, I'll just text my husband and be like, you have to come help me. You have to come claim. <laughs> yeah. Claim There's been an emergency. Yeah. Like claim you have ownership to of figure this out bomb. where this is or you need to tell me where this is because we're in this together. This is what the marriage contract entails. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be more concerned with like clogging a toilet because that's See, no that's matter the what. the beauty of having I've done that. D is, is because it's liquid. not going to clog a well, toilet unless you're using a lot of toilet paper. But as someone it. who is... As we said, a seasoned veteran, you know, multi- you know to flush multiple times, yeah. and like how much, yeah, you like That's keep also an a eye on thing. it. Yeah, well, yeah, suck it down. That too. Carry around a pack of matches. You seen how many matches are in this house? A lot. They're all in the bathroom. It's crazy. There's <laughs> one right there. It's in the golden hand. The golden hand. Is have this shit in that plant right over now. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> The golden hand. Also, matches. you just broke my brain because when I was like 18 or 19, somebody was like, yeah, my brother came out of the bathroom and he was like, it's like Normandy in there. And they laughed for a long time. And I was up until I'm not joking five minutes ago, I was like, I still don't know why they were laughing. Like, yeah. what is that about? D-Day. Now it makes sense. You're welcome. What, I, a, what a great day. I, yeah. Today's already been. I'm a teacher. Yeah. Now I'm a teacher. Sure. Thank you for asking yeah. though about my well. I just I I felt like it's something that should be discussed around the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I thought I'd. Uh, I mean, ask I think I feel like I gave some helpful tips. Mm-hmm. Not everybody runs into this problem. Runs exactly. Mm-hmm. But it'll happen. It'll happen to the best <laughs> yeah. of us, and you don't want to be you a shit yourself, Sally. No. You want to be poops in the potty, Patricia. Yeah. <laughs> Do we <laughs> do we want to be that? Poops in the body, Patricia. I'd like to be too pretty to poop. Pat. I would love to be that. Phyllis. <laughs> Her name is Pat Phyllis. Okay. Too pretty to poop Pat Phyllis. That's a cool name. Um, we'd all love to be Pat Phyllis, but the truth is, is you're usually not. So in those moments... Think of Whitney. Think of me. <laughs> call me. Just call. I'll talk you through it. <laughs> you should set up a hotline. We can do it. We can do a tip line on the website. Once we get the how many Eiffel Towers mm-hmm. like 
measurement mm-hmm. should thing. really be keeping a list then you of can that. do Whitney's <laughs> hot tips <laughs> <laughs> yeah <If you're laughs> I love the smoker's cough too good. vapor's <laughs> cough vapors, the vapors if you don't inhale it that it just tastes like fake smoke machine and it's awful right. <laughs> nice my good day's been ruined in one hot moment <laughs> moment Oh, no. I'm surprised you've only ever done one poop-centric story, honestly. I think I've done more than one. Oh, there, it's, I mean. That that should be something I should look up, though. Maybe not every week. Maybe not every week. My story this week doesn't have anything to do with duty. Well, you want to tell your story? Find a way. I bet we could find a way. Sure, it's it's just like a little shorty funny. Just so shorty funny. funny. Got it. Mine's okay. a big old trigger warning, so oh, mine's should probably come towards the end. Do you want to? Okay, we'll figure it out in a second. Okay, I don't know if mine has an. I don't. I wouldn't imagine this has any trigger. This warnings. is just like this if this entire I'm, podcast is a trigger warning. True, yeah. but if I'm, this is bad. Okay, <laughs> there's some bad shit in this one. Okay, well today I'm going to talk about. A fun micronation. Do you know what a micronation is? Mm-hmm. Like micronation. I think I can use context clues to probably figure out what a micronation. Like a okay. Like a nation. Yes. Little. Little. Small. 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 So. Like Micronesia. No. Micronations, oh, sometimes also sometimes referred to as model countries or new country projects, are self-proclaimed entities that claim to be independent sovereign states. Okay, got it. But are not acknowledged as such by any recognized sovereign state or organization. So it's any Trumper with a ranch. Yes. Okay. Yes. So... We have one of these in Nevada, about 30 minutes from Reno. You personally have one? I own it's one. Mine. Isn't that where they dropped all the atomic oh, bombs? I know what you're going to say. Do you? Mm-hmm. Does it have to do with a small mammal? No. With Is ears? This... No. Oh, Don't God. most mammals have ears? Well, but I, I did the motion of tall. I thought you were talking about the bunny ranch out there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the bunny ranch. Well, you said ranch. Reno made me think. As far as I know, they're not their own micronation. Is this more like of a hills have eyes situation? I'm pretty sure y'all have never heard of it. So if you could both <laughs> shut up, stuff your mouths full of. I think it's more than pickles. Full of something. Okay. This magical place is called Molossia. M-O-L-O-S-S-I-A. 30 miles east of Carson City, Nevada. It's up in that left, top left corner of Nevada. Accessed off of Route 50 in Dayton Valley, part of the Great Basin Desert. Would you say it's in the northwest corner or the top left north corner? Northwest. Both top right. left is Both easier right. for me. Northwest corner of Nevada for those who are assholes. Welcome. Mm-hmm. The Molossian Nation is founded May 26, 1977. At the time, it was known as the Grand Republic of Voldstein. It was founded by two guys, James Spielman and Kevin Baugh, B-A-U-G-H. James declared himself king, King James I, 
and Kevin was declared the prime minister. After a short period... <laughs> this is a parliamentary system? Mm-hmm. After a short period of sporadic activity, the nation entered into a period of dormancy because King James, even though he was still a monarch, ceased to be active in the kingdom. Despite King James's absence and that period of dormancy, it continues on without the participation of him, and they continue to develop thanks to Prime Minister Baugh. And in 1980, they rename it to the Kingdom of Edelstein. Then eight years later, they rename it again to the Kingdom of Zaria. And it exists as a nomadic government without an actual home. So it had started in California and then they kind of moved around, carried on by Kevin Baugh, the prime minister. He goes over to Europe, has a great time, comes back in 1992. And the kingdom had grown while he was gone. Is this why you're wearing your cult outfit? My cult outfit. No, it's not, as far as I can tell, very much of a cult. In 1995, they finally transplant to Nevada. Nevada? It's Nevada. Transplant to Nevada. In 1998, they purchase the land that their nation can finally call home, upon which the government was formally and officially established. In 1998, they renounce in favor of a provisional communist government. In September 1998, Malasia sacrifices its own sovereignty to join the United Provinces of Utopia. Instead of like joining the United States, I tried to look up the United Provinces of Utopia because I was like, is this like a tiny little thing of their own? It was, I'm pretty sure it was founded by a guy who called himself King Daniel. I think Mm -hmm. his his place was called Daniel Land, but it (laughs) um, eventually, very quickly, or United Provinces of Utopia is dissolved in January of 1999. So, not very long after September 1998. I want a theme park called Daniel Land. In 1999, after that is dissolved, they declare it the People's Democratic Republic of Malaysia, where we are today, and Kevin Baugh becomes the premier. In 99, Malaysia begins a serious path of developing itself as an emerging small nation rather than a micronation project, and they expand their physical territory. So what... Wait. Wait, who's letting them expand their territory? So that's territory? the thing. So this is just basically a guy <laughs> who declares himself president of his own micronation, okay. the Republic of Malaysia, in 1999 thing? in Nevada. Sounds more the like named, a sovereign thing. Mm, the name Malaysia is, is an adaptation of the Hawaiian word maluhia which means harmony of the world. No, fuck that. It's molasses related or get it's out. It's molasses like, related. What are you doing? Although Ba has sought formal independence from the United States through petition, it failed to gather enough signatures for the micronation to receive formal recognition. Womp womp. Despite its lack of sovereign status, the micronation is currently involved in war with East Germany. <gasps> Still? And has been since 1983, despite the fact that East Germany 
no longer exists and was dissolved when the Berlin Wall came down. The root of that war issue was a dispute over an uninhabited island in Cuba, which still remains unclaimed. So they were going to get, they were like, you know what? Fuck Nevada. Let's go to an island. And then East Germany was like, pop, pop, pop. We want that island. We have nothing else to worry about right now. We want that island. And then East Germany goes to sleep forever. Yeah. They get put down. Mm -hmm. And then these guys are like, we got to change our titles. We never didn't declare unwar, which is how you end a war. And uh, they're just still doing it. I'm calling for unwar right now. I I declare unwar. The Micronation is technically a military dictatorship with President Ba regularly dressing in ceremonial uniform adorned with medals, very much like how you imagine like a stereotypical modern day dictator with like big glasses, one of those hats, like very Kim Jong when he puts on all his like... It sounds like a really fun cosplay. Yes, and basically... That's what it is. I just how seriously is he taking himself? Is so, kind of is this like a fun life? Like like how you, how fucked up is he in the is head? He still paying US are you taxes? asking about you know. His Excellency the President, Grand Admiral Colonel Doctor Kevin Doctor Doctor No President Professor. and Ray, which is they have their own language yeah. of Malasia, Protector Ray of the Nation, mm-hmm. and you can email. The president, you can listen to speeches. If you would like to hear a greeting from him. Is he on? Please tell me he's on Cameo. Cameo? Nevada. Nevada. Potato. Potato. Sorry. So there is a website called Malasia.org. It is fucking detailed. So if you wanted to go down that road, do it. You can buy war bonds. They have their own currency. Oh, no. They war bonds to help fight East Germany. <laughs> oh, that's so oh fun. God. They also this still have like, a site counter. They do. Oh, my God. This sounds like so much Wait, fun. how many people have been to the site? Um, well, it shows you from where they've come. Four, four different countries. Um, is that North Korea? Probably. No, that's China. All right. Here we go. An audio welcome message from His Excellency the President. Welcome website of the Republic of Malaysia. I encourage you to visit each of our pages and I hope you enjoy your stay. Thank you. They they have a naval academy. Yes. So if you want to I want to get too ahead of myself okay. on this. They got a lot going on. They have. You might ask, what is life in Malaysia like? Well, the Republic likes to refer to itself as a third world nation due to its lack of paved roads and infrastructure like a hospital or an airport. But it's not all bad. Located outside of the jurisdiction of the U.S., Malasia does not pay taxes. There you go. Malasia doesn't pay taxes. Malasia does not pay taxes. Does not tell me if and he pays even taxes. even has its own currency. Printed on poker chips, which is based on the value of Pillsbury cookie dough. Shut the fuck up. There is a national anthem, a unique language called Esperanto. No, There's no. Hold a, on, hold on, hold on, hold yes, on, hold on. Yes. Esperanto is a real language, too. What does cookie dough have to do with any of it? That is how... Are they saying Esperanto is not a real language? No. Sorry. I guess I I didn't know it was a real well, language. It says a unique language. It is. Yes. it's there. It's, that's a whole separate 
weird brunch story, but like, what does cookie dough have to do with any of it? That is how and the brand they loyalty, base the value. Well, of I mean, their, their is money. it is it right? So we used to have a gold backed system. Is that the implication that it is a cookie dough by backed cookie dough? system? Yes, one can only assume. So, like, there's an FDIC that you could exchange the money you get in Malasia for Pillsbury cookie dough in Malasia. Well, okay, it's stabilizing at least. That's so. Wouldn't they have to like own Pillsbury and be able to they would print their own dough? <laughs> I think they could probably just buy it with U.S. dollars. Okay. Do they have what's the conversion rate right now between uh, dough and dollar? Yeah, I don't know the well, dough, dough to, to dough. dollar to their it's local also currency. Dough, get it? Oh my god, I bet that's on. <laughs> I bet email. that's fucking true. What it is. I bet that's why they did it. I'm gonna so email funny. this guy. Yeah. You should. You can email the president directly. There is a national anthem, like. The unique language Esperanto, a bank, a railroad, a post office, a war office, and a kazoo-like official instrument. The main building in town is the government house, which is also President Baugh's private residence. The population of the Republic of Malasia. How many people live here? 30. 30? With four dogs that they count as people in their population they vote they are a democratic republic so i would think but what's his name's a dictator i thought he has the aesthetic it's because he serves all of the important roles technically does he scoop poops i bet he i wouldn't sign that out i wouldn't be surprised see and now you're thinking wow i really want to live in malasia right Um, yeah you can't oh you cannot Become a Malassian citizen. Full residency is a requirement of citizenship, and new residents are not allowed. You got some tight borders, huh? They do not have. They don't have a hospital? They, well, yeah, they don't have a hospital, but they're not like other countries where tourism is encouraged year round. It's only open to visitors once a month from April 15th to October 15th with specific visiting dates listed on the government's website. That's tax day to deferred tax day. Even though you don't need a visa to visit Malasia, it is highly recommended and you can get your passport stamped at the Malasia border. You're not allowed to come unannounced. They think of Malasia as their only home and as well as their nation. So if you just show up to visit Malasia, they're not going to let you in. You have to legit set that up in advance. One of their most festive days is May 26th, which is their founding day. If you want to come party, I guess that's the one to do it. The president's there. He has a speech and they have a barbecue. That's fun. I just, I'm still trying to catch the vibe of this guy because it sounds all very fun and light. Yeah, like he was it a big Rin Fair guy. It is yeah. very fun and light. Yeah. You mentioned the Navy, and they does have do Navy. have the Molossian Navy. They have five inflatable boats. Stop. The website explains that the goal of the Molossian Navy is to explore those watery places that dot the western landscape like gems in the sand. Their navy stands ready to defend Molossia whenever necessary. They just gotta blow them up real quick. Though through means of their valiant naval infantry. If you're on their website and you look at their naval academy it says that it's temporarily closed. They also have their own space 
race, I guess. If or no, they're uh, gonna they're it's gonna like rocket a little rocket to- ship that you like tiny little bottle rocket ship. Oh, I'm on their website. Like they've got their the lore is deep. It's it's very very in deep. 2000 they hosted the inner micronational yes. Olympic Games. <laughs> I how, need how to many see- dogs participated? That's that's the landing page. It's very Angel Fire website. I love 2000. It. All it's of it is fun. so. I'm waiting for something bad to in happen. In 2006, they went to war with Mustachistan, which sounds problematic. It does. Ours is Borat. From June or from May 22nd to June 8th, 2006, the Republic of Malaysia and the nation of Mustachistan <laughs> declared war on each other. The roots of the conflict lay in conflicting territorial claims a situation aggressively prosecuted by the Mustachian people. They claim to have had an armed conflict where the Mustachians were defeated in two separate battles and then sued for peace. I tried to read through the entire Mustachian War. It all kind of started from what they say because the president of Malasia liked going to this one park and he would cross the territory of the Mustachian people to get there and they tried to block him one day. It's called the River Park Incident, I think. It's the get off my lawn. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is like, are, are there just like a pocket of micronations they made up a, in that area? There was a sign <laughs> that said, no, there's one fence and it says no Molossian. Well, it looks like there. something I would put up on like my door of my bedroom yeah. <laughs> like, like to keep Whitney no out. No Whitney's allowed. <laughs> you can put that on the Instagram. I will. So there was this thing. Yeah. But the what it really comes How much cookie to, dough do you think they yeah, spent on that Yeah, a lot summer. of cookie dough. The Molossian people basically were the ones who created the Mustachian people. Like the king of Mustachia and the king of Molossia were good friends and shared land and uh, went under this war. And it was ended just the next month after two raging battles. I didn't want to go all the way into it because it's way too long. There was also supposedly an invasion April 9th through the 11th in 2010 from Kigassia. And uh, that was that was a force of about twenty Kickassians assembled on the eastern frontier of Malasia and near the Malasia Cemetery. Oh God! Oh, there was their little army swept across the border to the edge of Norton Park. In spite of Malasia's defenses, the invaders overwhelmed their nation. That was unprepared for a, an attack. To avoid the devastation of Malasia, His Excellency the President surrendered to the leader of the invading army. In short order, the Malasian government was replaced and the name of the fair nation was changed to Kickassia. Having achieved their goal of occupying Malasia, the government of Kigassia started running their new nation but found out that the people they had taken over were pretty dedicated to Malasia and they had a hard time just even operating the town at all 
and there's no way that that wasn't just like 15 skateboarder kids after a brief power struggle the kickassians decided that running a nation wasn't their forte they compelled their beaten dictator uh to return (laughs) to the to return the raids on october on april 11th just two days later the kickassians departed from malassia for parts unknown and ended the bizarre but mercifully brief invasion of Malassia. I just, I just really so want to know how in earnest all this is. Of the invasion. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I want it to be like in black and white. dressed up cosplaying any different type of army person with a ladder from, like, over Star a chain link fence. It is very Star Wars. That girl has goggles on. Like, there's definitely some steampunks involved. This just sounds like precious. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of adults who it decided they wanted to have is. camp for the rest of their life. Yeah. So they also he has yeah. a queen. He's married uh-huh. to the queen of Malasia. <laughs> there's a, if you follow Brittany. them on Instagram. No, her name is. Ugh, Damn it, I lost Tammy. It. But here they are. Tammy is a good one. Yeah. That's a Tammy. That she's is a got Tammy. She does have a little oh, tear. I bet he treats cute. her like a queen. I bet he Treating does. Treating her his queen like a queen. Queen Tammy queen and President Tammy. Kevin. Yes. <laughs> queen Tammy, President Kevin. But yeah. They have their own money. You can only spend it within the walls of Molossia. What do you buy? What do you buy? You can only buy like souvenirs and shit from their little store. And you can only do that. You have six chances. Yeah. But yeah. So if y'all want to go visit Molossia with me. Yes. It kind of sounds. We could go to Reno. And then drive up. And then drive to Molossia. But we can. There's only. There really aren't a lot of opportunities. No, because it's once a month from April to to October. Do you have to get a reservation? Has Liz Lambert been out there yet? That's the question. Has she set something up for everybody to be bougie? I want to get my passport stamped by Malasia. Are they allowed to do that? Yeah. They they do it. That's my my old passport. I have a stamp from Monaco, which mm-hmm. is the world's smallest country, right? Yeah, but that's a that's a it. real country. It is. <laughs> I did look An that up. I was country. like, wait, is Monaco a micronation? And <laughs> have I done something? But it's recognized, yeah. so it's different. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to go have a good time on a very weird old website, go to Malasia.org. It's an old website, but it seems to be updated. Do Pretty you? off. We have to leave. I have to tell you what happened to me in a Chili's restroom the other Ooh! week. <laughs> it wasn't bombings? No, it wasn't. So me and Brandon went to the outlet malls in San Marcos because that's what we wanted to go do. And on our way back. I worked there for years. Yeah. We stopped at Chili's because what else are you going to do between San Marcos and Austin if you're mm-hmm, hungry? That's right? true. And it was like three o'clock in the afternoon. It's fine. And they gave us dirty silverware. It's fine. It's a Chili's experience. So I go to the bathroom and I'm standing up and I'm unbuckling my pants and I something grabs the door handle mm-hmm. and goes back. I'm, I'm, it's a visual thing where it was bam, 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 like that. Oh, like like a child trying to like right. open, open a thing, it, but like aggressively. Like hard. And like I was like, Whitney about to shit herself. And immediately to... I was like, who's child? And then I realized like. That door did not open. Like nobody's come in here, and I immediately go and I open the door, and there's nobody in the bathroom. No. And at first, I was like, 
I was like, because I, th- you know, like when something hits the stall, the whole stall moves, and I was right. kind of like, well, if like the AC turned on or anything like that, and it was, it was not that. It was not like something moved the whole unit. It was because you've been in a bathroom, someone's tried to open the yeah. door. It was that exact thing, like bam, 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 like three times, and I like, <laughs> I was like, I was startled but i you wasn't like scared yourself because well, you were on a toilet i was i was standing up i was like oh. but i was like buckling my because it happened like right when i was about to turn to are flush sure the toilet big old dumper didn't it just didn't, hit the door no, real hard it didn't. No, it didn't. Uh, my own that, ass so was trying to three, get in it here. tried it like gripped the handle and, and banged it three times i mean you've <laughs> seen, seen the videos so like I, I walked out i didn't wash my hands because i was just like I need to get out of this bathroom. The ghost People already of had dirty silverware. I know. At that point. I don't care. And I sat down, and Brandon started talking to me about something else. I'm like, I have to tell you what just happened to this chilies. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, and I'm like, and he asked that question of like, did something else like, yeah, you know, it. was it, yeah, yeah, the AC turning on? Because that's the first thing I thought about. Um, and I'm like, No, it's very specifically somebody trying to open the door and he's like was like maybe the kid like ran out or something and i'm like no i can see the door right like and so i asked our poor little waitress (laughs) that's what i was gonna you need to stop blaming on us because it's sorry making noise um uh, i was gonna say did you ask the waitress if there is a ghost i asked and i was like i'm gonna so i was like handing her my card to check out and i was like i'm gonna ask you a question she's like what i'm like is this chili's haunted and she's like She looked at me and she was kind of like, mm, not that I know of, like really rolled with it. Oh, that's nice <laughs> yeah. of her. And she was young. How woo-woo did you look that day? Like, were you wearing <laughs> we rocks? We were shopping. We were shopping. Okay, so you were so in like wearing, leggings like, and yes, shit? Yes, exactly. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't you didn't like, look like your great aunt. Myself yeah. into <laughs> the, the I, I'm, I'm getting this strange energy, energy inside this Chili's. No, not at all. Um, um, excuse me, is this Chili's haunted? haunted? <laughs> she kind of, she didn't. She kind of looked at me sideways, but not in the most judgy way she probably sure. could have. She was just like, no, I've never heard that before. It's- Were you like, can I speak to your manager? Well, I kind of wanted to be right. like, she walked away and I'm like, I wonder how, how long she's has- worked yeah. here. How long has she been here? Number one. <laughs> Take me to the back and let me talk Walk to, to like, like the, the line cook line that's been here since it's open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like you need a shirt that just says, is this Chili's haunted? Because <laughs> it is that is a wonderful thing oh, it was but weird. i mean i think you have a case that it is i think so you should call up the i'm sure boys. there is it's something it just was one of those things that was so inexplicable just like, uh, uh, <laughs> like I you mean, don't know how to react yeah and you're like am i crazy i must i must have hit it I somehow sat, I that's why i sat down it. and bread and talk for some because i'm like could i have like knocked the door could i have a like child Followed you in close behind. Waited for Waited me to go for to the bathroom. To make your plans. But no, there was no exit. Like I immediately opened the door and was like, <laughs> like looked. Were you not like all the just stalls? A it was a small. It was just a three stall with like it. Someone could have still been in there. That's worse. That's way worse. If somebody yeah. be pranking me, like someone they be, don't know someone me. Someone be pranking you <laughs> in the chilies. Make it. What it, uh, it's the chilies that's experience? A fun thing though to start consider doing as a new like activity is yeah setting people up like setting is up a small like, booby trap and making people think hiding that ch- in toilets ch- chilies are uh haunted 
just the aggressiveness of it like that dun, dun, dun. yeah that would freak me out that's the thing you is know. like it was scary but it wasn't like i ran out of the bathroom like it's just Marcus so shocking it's on a fault line mm, oh could i maybe i the gases got through and just fucked with my brain the Your well my story kind of has ghosts in it toilet ghosts no toilet well they don't explicitly say toilet ghosts but i think it could be a possibility okay. so i want to talk about johan george schrepfer what a name. What a name. The founder of Chili's. The founder of <laughs> Chili's. Um, the ghost of Chili's. Yes. <clears throat> and he is a 18th century German charlatan necromancer and that. self-proclaimed magician. So Johann, not n- much is known about um, Schepfer's life early on. He was born sometime between 1730 and 1739 and was baptized in Nuremberg in March of 1738. Mm-hmm. Um, he his wait. Then he wasn't born in thirty nine. Thirty to thirty nine. That's I'm pulling from. But if he was baptized sources. in thirty eight, he would have existed sometime in this between. This is why then. the news doesn't have facts anymore. No, because of bad Wikipedia articles. Mm-hmm. Um, his father ran the Zoom Rothen Rosen Inn, and then later the Golden Inn Lam. So he comes from like a hotel management family, not like owner family. Well, I guess he owned it. It's believed that Johann served in the Prussian army at the start of the Seven Years' War. He claimed to have been a cavalry, I cannot say that word, commander with the Imperial troops and to have received many wounds in battle but he showed no scars or signs of old injuries on his body starting kind of early with lying in 1759 he moved to leipzig and started working as a cooper at a hotel which is just the person who like controls the like goods in the, mm-hmm. the whole thing and he became a citizen of that city in august of 1761 and married johanna johanna and johanna disgusting meant to be yeah uh johanna katrina Eyre, the daughter of the quartermeister of the local tailor so he was the top tailor in the city later that same year katarina was already very pregnant when they got married and soon they he gave birth to their first daughter in 1769 they purchased the um, vessel dersrich coffee house coffee house with Johann's Johanna's family money. This is a pattern that I've seen when I talk about scammers throughout history is they marry in and they mm-hmm. just use their wife's money, mm-hmm. right? It was a cafe with a billiard room at the very center of town. You can look it up today and that building is still there pretty much in the center of Leipzig. Soon after them buying this coffee house, the state that they're in Saxony started going through some pretty rough times and in the early, in the early 1770s. So Johann was in debt and his family was basically living in poverty but he spent what money they did have frivolously and often drank wine with his guests. He reportedly got financial support from a French Masonic lodge because he was a Freemason, maybe a prince. Uh, it was kind of sketchy. And often he left Leipzig to visit different Masonic lodges and then maybe this prince that he was like in cahoots with. And after this time is when Johann started to perf- It was about this time um, when Johann started to perform. I forgot. What? <laughs> That he was also a magician. Yes, <laughs> he wasn't just a, a what a fun drunk reminder hotelier. He was a um, Freemason necromancer, and he started to perform necromancy. 
necromancy and to initiate disciples into his own Masonic lodge in his private home. Let's define necromancy because yes, in this concept, it's not like raising dead bodies or bringing uh. people back to life like Pet Cemetery or zombies or hoodoo, anything like that. So this type of Masonic necromancy is the practice of communicating with the dead, especially in order to predict the future, kind of what we would consider mediumship today, Mm -hmm. but like more nefarious because Masonic necromancy is based on the belief that the dead can be called upon and made to answer questions. Though this belief is not confined to masonry, it is found in other cultures. The necromancer is said to have power over the dead and can compel them to do his bidding. Masonic necromancy is not just about predicting the future, but controlling it. The necromancer is said to be able to influence the course of events by means of his power over the dead. So it's not just like... I'm calling up Great Aunt Sally to ask her, like, how's what's, what's up? The it's recipe? like, yeah, tell me where the gold is hidden or mm-hmm. shit like that. So Johan had likely, so he's organized he's, with his necromancy powers. He's starting to pull the attention of other local Freemasons, being like, "Come to my, come to my Freemason lodge because we do fucking necromancy." Isn't that cool? We have free snacks. Yeah, and I'm like the the best Freemason. Like I'm a number one. So Johan had likely at this point never experienced a Freemason lodge meeting ever when he started his own lodge of quote true masonry. He is again the only true. Freemason. He is thought to have gained most of his knowledge about masonry from magazines, books, and from listening to the many Freemason patrons that he waited on who spoke freely about their Freemason secrets, plans, and activities because they would just all get drunk together. Right. right? People can't keep fucking secrets. He also reportedly stole some, um, quote, magical documents in Freemason scriptures from a duke during the Seven Years' War and gained some additional knowledge from the craft just that way. What were the necromancy, like, seances like? So first, Johann's followers would fast for 24 hours before <laughs> coming over, and then they would be given an Italian salad and punch. Okay. Both were assumed to be spiked with something. Yes. To be. Yeah, before the seances, and then the seances classic started at midnight. We're not doing this 9 p.m. thing. Yeah. Like, it's got to be midnight. That'd be scary. Make it. It's the only no, time. I'd thing. be sleepy. I wouldn't be yeah. scared. I'd be sleepy. The dead won't talk to you before then. No. Everybody knows this. That's yeah. true. Unless you're in Chili's. Yeah, unless, yeah, you're, unless you're in Chili's. They didn't want to talk. They just wanted to They didn't in. even have Chili's back then, mm. so that's how you know. How would they do necromancy without Chili's? Yeah. So the room would be darkened with black with a black draped altar, and Johan would be wearing a robe, so he's, called, he's dressed up. He's ready for this. He would use Masonic, Catholic, and Kabbalistic symbolism, including skulls, a chalk circle on the floor, holy water, incense, crucifixes. His prayer would address Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Trinity, asking for protection from good spirits. Um, And during sessions, his guests were required to remain seated, having been told that they would face immense danger if they rose from Mm, their seats. Of course. Mm -hmm. So drugged, kind of starved. Like if you haven't eaten in 24 hours and they give you a salad and some punch, like you're kind of woozy. Completely dark room. (laughs) Scared. Scared. Late. And you can't get up. Like you can't. Not even for pee-pee? You can't get for pee-pee. You pee-pee pants. How are you going to clean that do? Uh, what if you what just had a, a shit ton of Back that punch? Then, I would have already been murdered for being a poop witch. <laughs> the, uh, children's tale about the poop witch coming <laughs> if you like shit your pe- pants or something like... <laughs> the tooth fairy, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be nice. No. You know, if you drink all that milk, you're... Yeah. 
the poop witch yeah, is coming for you. Coming poop for you. Witch. Come and she'll, and girls. she'll take your poop, but <laughs> she'll bring it back tenfold two days later. Like yeah. They didn't know what lactose intolerance was. It was no. just the poop witch. The mm-hmm. poop witch comes. She steals your sheets <laughs> and you never get them back. <laughs> and then you have to buy your own new ones. It's very unfortunate for kids of that age in that time period. Yeah, for sure. The poop witch. Okay, so <laughs> when Johan would get everybody organized and at this table and they can't get up. His main presentation was he would raise three different ghosts from the dead. One good soul would be in like a beautiful, pure white. There would be one neutral soul that was like in a crew. So not white, but not, not white. (laughs) And one evil who was in like a dark brown or black. And the arrival of the ghost was accompanied by a sound like that of wet fingers on a glass. (laughs) Which is like, like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> squeak, 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 squeak. I'm Imagine. coming back into this plane of existence. <laughs> squeegee sound. And so, so it's a squeegee sound. It's exactly mm-hmm. a squeegee sound, which sometimes would grow louder and continue for about an hour, which is like torture. He also raised, so he, that was like his one of his shticks, right? He also raised the spirits of de- deceased celebrities from both recent and older kind of times. And impressed his public by talking to the spirits and giving them orders so this is the whole like you're a necromancer so you have mm-hmm. control over the dead that's impressive just talking to him doesn't mean anything but like making him do stuff is what's cool and the apparitions were said to be clearly visible clothed according to their time period hanging in the air and screaming awfully because oh. they were hanging in the they air. They were floating, I think is more of the mm. term. Spectators described the faces of the spirits they wit- witnessed as human, but they looked as if they were smoke or vapor instead of flesh and skin. Okay. Okay. Um, among the most impressive examples of raised spirits were those of two famous Danish traders who were beheaded in 1772 um, which was very famous news all throughout Europe. So in 1773, Johan made them appear in his lodge with them holding their own heads in their hands, wearing clothes on the day of the execution. Freaky. Yeah. And during a seance in Dresden, Johan ordered a spirit to bring a letter to a companion in Frankfurt. The spirit obeyed and returned a half hour later with an answer signed in Frankfurt by the companion. How did it happen? That sounds so fun. That's so crazy. Spooky. Another spirit appeared engulfed in flames, begging for Johan to not torture him anymore. And apart from raising ghosts, uh, Johan also demonstrated his powers by making stars shine brighter and (laughs) controlling the weather. I've had mushrooms, Uh, too. Yep. So spectators of Johan's seances were often convinced that the ghosts they saw were real, though there were some vocal skeptics. For example, one merchant who frequently attended Johan's lodge claimed in his own diary that he once barred the door to the room where the seance was taking place. And consequently, the expected ghost was heard fiddling with the lock, but was unable to enter. (laughs) So the seance could not continue because they just locked the doors. So the people that were like the ghosts couldn't get ghosts aren't real. They're not just ethereal wisps of existence. You got to leave the door unlocked. Yeah. Another time, the merchant hid under the table and recognized the shoes of a ghost as the shoes that he had sold the day before to Shrepfer's assistant. (laughs) Oh, incredible. And then Shrepfer also couldn't really take requests for 
goes. Naturally. Um, once he rather suspiciously outright refused to raise the spirit of a famous poet who everybody in the group had known who had recently passed right. away. And among the techniques that, that Trepper reportedly used for his elaborate effects were actors performing as ghosts, ventriloquism, hidden speaking tubes, glass harmonica sounds, aromic smoke, camera obscura projections, magic lantern projections on smoke, concave mirror projections, and stage thunder. And if you really look at how he perfected all of that, he is kind of the, the not really like the founder, but a very prevalent smoke and mirrors magician. Mm-hmm, right. Like it's stuff that people still use Practical today. Practical effects. Yeah, like being able to show show you holding your own head is is a mirror effect Mm -hmm. um and creating the environment where people will be more susceptible to believing it is just the other side of it and he would vaporize this is just because you know all this is kind of assumed um he would vaporize whatever drug that he was using to kind of like lightly poison people throughout the entire experience because they knew that the salad the spiked salad is gonna, spiked salad the, that Italian dressing yeah. would like wear off. With a, yeah, it would wear off. So creating the ambience of it, right, with a captive audience, which like genius. Yeah. It's a genius that man. That sounds like fun. Like I want to go to this. Sound like fun, right? Yeah. So the kind of main conflict that he had in his life, besides being kind of like a piece of shit guy who like drank all of his wife's money away anyway, whatever is that i'd mentioned that he was a freemason and he was like recording recruiting other freemason members right well there was already a local lodge in leipzig uh the minerva zoo dendre palman and they were like what are you doing <laughs> like I was, is, i'm just we're impressed here yeah already he not just was he existing as another freemason lodge because freemason lodges are kind of all over and there's more than one in austin and it, whatever mm-hmm. but he was like actively trying to poach members from the minerva lodge and after many and he wanted to come and talk to the minerva lodge leadership or whatever at one of their meetings because like we're still all masons da, 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 even though he like constantly talked shit about them was trying to poach the poach their members and so finally the minerva leaders were allowed johan to speak at a meeting in january of 1773 and he took the opportunity <laughs> to declare himself the true freemason of knowledge and power in front of the gathering and minerva's leaders pleaded him to just show some more respect for the lodge as they had heard that he had been all around town all around town accusing them of being imposters this is like improv theaters <laughs> like competing improv theaters yeah. it kind of seems I, i'll like, take your word on it like any kind of small i don't know sense of power somebody gets they kind of yeah. run with it so they so the minerva lodge reminded johan that though he his lodge had been legitimized by the general masonic leadership minerva had the protection of bigger higher-ups and said that they would make a case to those higher-ups to get him like kicked out if he didn't like calm down by higher-ups do you mean illuminati kind of it's complicated i i -hmm. changed a lot of the wording on it because it's all these like stupid fucking Mm -hmm. titles that don't mean anything to me so it's just i i know you think you know people in high places, but I know people higher than those mm-hmm. higher people. And it's all very posturing and stupid. So they're like, get off the stage and fuck off. Soon after that, he showed up at the Minerva Lodge and threatened them with pistols because they're like, y'all are an untruthful system. He's just kind of losing it at this point. Um, Even though his his lodge is doing well? He, it seems to be, I guess. There was no real talk of it not doing well, right. but he's still, he's trying to basically overthrow the Minerva Lodge so mm-hmm. he can be the true 
it lodge sounds in town. like he's one of these people that's like i want to do this okay i did it now i'm bored okay i want to do this yeah. okay i did it now i'm right. bored yeah i want they are now the highest one so i want to yeah get that and bring it down to me so minerva sent a letter to their higher-ups to ask for help in quelling johan's antics Meanwhile, Johan went for the support of his own higher-ups in the Saxon court, and one evening during this period, some of Johan's men, probably drunk, started gathering outside of some of the um, lodge main members' houses that were next to each other and started screaming their secret password <laughs> to the Minerva oh Lodge. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the whole thing about Masons is, like, the secrecy, so it's just, like, silly. Like, it's like, we, we know. know your password. Minerva's letter for help received basically a disinterested response, and the Lodge actually started kind of to fear for the future of their own, like, standing. So they hid their secret documents and tried to, like, work something out with Johan because they're like, we're not getting help. He's getting more unhinged. We got to kind of try to tamp this down a little bit. So on the night of September 4th, 1773, Johan distributed 40 copies of a pamphlet stating that Minerva knew nothing of masonry and that people wouldn't get anything worth their money from the lodge. And the flyer revealed the secrets of the first three degrees of masonry and the high costs associated with the membership. And Johan promised to reveal more secrets eight days later, but he did not for whatever reason um, oh i was I like they kill got, him no. yeah. yeah he just didn't he's just fucking he's just like, wild now. i guess he got bored with that idea because it's also his secrets too because yeah, it is just all masonry. masonry so that's the point where minerva's leadership actually was like that's fucked up like they caught wind of that and they were really offended by johan's conduct and ordered him to be arrested and they sent a letter to the an officer in leipzig to retrieve uh johan several conflicting accounts kind of there's an incident that happens after this and so the officers whoever is like supposed to get these people i guess like cops or something like that so what probably happened was according to some johan received a flogging of 100 sto- strokes with a stick and had to sign a confession about receiving this punishment this confession was published in local newspapers Johann reacted with a statement in the Frankfurt Zeitung denying the existence of his confession as well as as the punishment itself and for any reason for any punishment. He's like, that it wasn't me. That's not mm-hmm. true. It didn't happen. He stated to have filed a complaint about his arrest, which he was arrested for 20 hours. So he like wrote like basically an op-ed, I guess, and he concluded with a subtle dig at a society that under the cover of Freemasonry sought to sought to resort restore the order of the temple. Which is again all just weird Freemasonry bullshit. It's just a frat. It's a fucking frat. Right. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Um another account of his punishment claims that Johan ran into a corner, threw himself on his knees, and called out for spirits to help him. This evocation and the idea of ghosts actually appearing scared off the officer. Um, following this <laughs> so I wish. imagine imagine he's like oh no ghosts and ran away not last in a chili's bathroom i tell you that no following the shameful incident Schaefer left leipzig for a little bit to kind of like cool off because he did potentially get beat a hundred times with a stick and then if they theoretically about, well it's funny because it's like now you where we're gonna put in the newspaper so everyone's gonna mm-hmm. know you got punished and he's like yeah i didn't i called a ghost and the ghost scared away the officer and it's like oh my god <laughs> 
<laughs> what that like the scams that he was kind of running besides just this whole like smoke and mirrors it's not mesmerism yet right. me- but you know in that kind of vein so johan during the early 1770s gathered support from clergy and nobility and by spring of 1774 he was in touch with minister friedrich von vroom who became a shill for Johann's biggest scam. Johann convinced Rome that he had access to sealed treasures of security deposits in Frankfurt on Mon, which included a French royal patent and would ensure Saxony millions in income and would help recover from the crisis. Like I mentioned in the early 1770s, they were kind of going through a hunger. Most of the country was actually going through at that time. But regardless, speculators gave... This always happens. Um, speculators gave Johan large advances amounting to about 1 million euro in today's money because in the 17, 1800s, you could just say that you yeah. had money coming and people would fucking believe yeah. you. Um, on September 15th, 1774, Rome had the packages of treasure opened that he was saying he had access to in Leipzig. And Johan wasn't present because he had to go do something else somewhere else in Prussia. You just had to go somewhere else. Um, the packages contain nothing, <laughs> nothing of worth, mainly paper, capsules, boxes filled with sand, um, and some socks. <laughs> oh, no. But they apparently didn't even try to take Johan to court because it was so embarrassing for the rich mm-hmm. and powerful people who were swindled. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's rich people getting robbed it's always funny to me no matter what so one night in october 1774 johan had a cheerful dinner with friends that lasted up until about 1 a.m in the morning which involved much punch tbd if it was poisoned or not but they were just like partying and stuff like so much salad Mm -hmm. and at the um in like at the end of the night early morning johan and five of his associates agreed to kind of like puke and rally and have like agreed to get back together at five o'clock in the morning and go to a nearby forest for a stroll when it was still very dark i don't know there's nothing else going on at this time sure yeah one of the attendees had said that johan had wanted to tell them something on the way he had also distributed sealed letters to each attendee and asked them not to open them until they had returned home according to legend shrimp for trip for Johan promised them at an event like nothing they had ever seen before and probably would never see again. Johan disappeared from their sight into the woods for a moment. The sound of a gunshot was heard and Johan was found dead moments later. (gasps) The apparent suicide had later often been described as the result of Johan's supposed delusions about his necromantic abilities, possibly partly due to the drugs that he may have been vaporizing at his seances which must have he must have repeatedly inhaled over time. So yeah. he like he's always he high. got permafried yeah. <laughs> and convinced himself that he could actually do necromancy. Um, he he would have been perpetually tormented by evil spirits, rendering his life miserable. And of either he would have been convinced that he could resurrect himself after shooting himself in the head. He had promised in his because he had promised in his letters to his companions that was going to reveal to the public after his demise deep Masonic secrets, but items sealed in heavy packages said to contain those secrets turned out to be more heaps of trash. <laughs> And stones this time. They didn't say anything about sand. 
There are several serious indications that Johan was actually murdered or persuaded to commit suicide. Important evidence for murder was found in the fact that the bullet went, bullet went through his teeth, his front, the front of his mouth, as if the weapon had been forced between his lips by another person and the victim resisted by closing oh, this hmm. jaw. There were also some inexplicable conflicts um, and aspects of statements from the witnesses, and there are many possible motives of why somebody would want to kill this guy. It seems like the affair was covered up, potentially. Worm wrote a letter to Electric, some important guy, it doesn't matter, who is the nephew of Carl van Sachen, stating that juridical, oh my God, J-U-R-I-D-A-C-A-L. You said it. Juridical, God, my brain blanks. C-A-L? Judicial, C-A-L. I think, Juridical. But we would say judicial. Um, stating that an investigation was impossible without implicating the prince and no further investigation took place. He also wrote suicide letters to his wife and his kids as well. Um, so odds are. I don't know. Here's the thing. So they stopped partying at like one. They decided to reconvene at five to go walk in the woods. And he was saying, I got something to fucking show you guys. And it's gonna be cool as hell. He very easily could have t- like the one of the the potentialities was that he was convinced to commit suicide mm. and if that was the case and somebody could have convinced him to do it he could have written the letters out but yeah so that's johan george shrimpfer i would have gone to his show like, i would have that sounds fun yeah um, i want to go to one now yeah you wouldn't have been able to go because you were a woman i think if we remade it now okay i mean we do live i bet Texas. we can probably find a trickster man doing seances that wants to give us drugs and take our money i'm surprised shit like that doesn't really it does yeah but it's not like on do 512 or something where it's like let's go to a seance like i feel like around halloween and stuff there is but there should be one like obviously there's tarot ladies and stuff Mm -hmm. it's all on tiktok now but like i would love to go to like a room at the back of a mm-hmm. bar or something and it's got smoke and you know and it's fake and, and stuff and you know it's kind of fake and you have like some fun shit go on and they have like sound effects but and, you know part of it's real yeah but it does feel real like because yeah. you'd put like a tarot card reader in there or something someone who does have like experience in that and you're like yeah. well i could believe these certain parts of it because isn't what is it in the two magicians movie. I always call it that. Now you see me. Yeah. They're like, something has to be unbelievable. Something they have to, they have to believe some of this is fake. Otherwise it doesn't feel real. Yeah. So there we go. I just made another. We should just do billion dollar. Yeah. We absolutely, that would be fun. Like a seance experience where you, and you set it up in that kind of probably more like Victorian. I feel like people would be more into that. I yeah. can't think of the clothing from the 1770s except for like colonial, which is not say, as fun. I was like very revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. Not as fun. Victorian is way more fun. And with Victorian, you also have like animism. You have a couple of other things that have, they yes-anded themselves to a certain point. That's a little bit more this fun. This also sounds like something that would be like what you you go to people's houses and do it. And they it. do it for you. Yeah. They're like, so they bring in their own table yeah. and like, you can't come into the room because we have to put all the little pieces. Yeah, it's like having a murder mystery at your house but instead it could be part of a murder mystery and you can't leave the table and so you have all the actors (gasps) acting around you and stuff and then that'd be a lot of we could i have access to a fallout shelter that's uh, underneath the masonry uh, the freemason oh the one the one on lamar Mm -hmm. no yes wait is it part of 
she just means well fallout is part in that building yeah her so, theater that she owns now. oh yeah because we're mm-hmm. all small business owners we're all small now. business owners mm-hmm. no big deal yeah we uh work with the freemasons regularly you should ask them about i this. want be like nope. y'all ever do necromancy no, thank you i'll ask them about it and i'll do it you just gotta you gotta sexy baby yourself into those kind of conversations where you act like it's not that big of a deal because you have no idea so i i took a note from Haley who likes to write her intros to everything mm. and so this is my, my intro for this i didn't write an intro for mine i just went into it i'm glad well, that you have something more prepared it than me. stuck with me Good. well let's be <laughs> let's ease up on let's more hear prepared. it Half Aussie, 39, race cars, real estate, Miami, murders. Oh, oh there's so many words God. at once. I'm excited. That was a lot of words at once. It's just bullet points. It's far less work. <clears throat> Christopher Wilder was born in Sydney, Australia, March 13th, 1945. I know so many people that are born on March 13th. Uh, he had an Australian mother, American father who was a U.S. naval officer. Mm. He grew up going base to base in various locations along the U.S. and Southeast Asia. His father retired, and he was like, we're going to Sydney forever. So they're living in Sydney. He uh, was known as a, quote, sickly child and had several brushes with death growing up. Didn't get insight into that. He made it Just through. Trust That's me. all that matters. Yeah. And then he turned into a monster teenager. So at 17 years old, he... Again, this is the content warning one. What year are we in? We are... Let's see. He's born in 40... What's funny is I was like, I should write down the year. What's 45 plus 17? 62. 1962. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So he convinces a girl to go to the beach. He assaults her. And then he's arrested, charged. He's evaluated by a psychiatrist who says he's not at risk to reoffend. So he gets a slap on the wrist of probation. He's just a boy being a boy, you know. He's going to murder people. Him specifically. How old was he? 17. He already had a rape charge. He had an assault, assault charge. charge. We're not. We're not calling. A hundred percent sure what the he assault was because he liked a buffet of assault. Oh, fun! In 1968, Wilder met a young woman visiting the beach with family in New South Wales. They got married later that year. So 68. He is 23. His new wife found, um, just very quickly, very, very quickly, found some photos of women he'd taken that were all dressed in her swimwear. (gasps) Okay. Also, he was propositioning his mother-in-law and sister-in-law. Brave. I don't know if brave is the right word. I mean, uh, that's some... Not honorable, but... I mean... Dumb shit. Yeah. Dumb people do dumb shit. Dumb bravery. Yeah, and then he is questioned by police about a series of sexual assaults on nearby beaches because they're like, we know this guy likes a beach and we've talked to him about assault before. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. And so she's like... But he's not at risk to reoffend, so I don't understand why they'd even be talking to him. Right, well, and now he's married, you know? Yeah. Those married. Settle down. They don't ever do anything. So she's like, 
okay that's enough divorce please and she later tells him the police that uh, he tried to kill her twice after she was like i'm out oh by the way all of this happened within one week wait that she found the picture from marriage to divorce to divorce good on her yeah so he had an old at that point within literal days found Women, I guess maybe while they were dating mm-hmm. too, but found women to take pictures of in her swimwear. Mm-hmm. Tried to have sex with his, his mother-in-law and within a week. This is actually the shortest time a woman has been in a marriage with a serial killer. So in 1969, Christopher Wilder, he moves to Florida. He's like, I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to go reset everything because as before he was uh 1968 is when he met that woman so in 69 he's like you know what i think florida sounds nice Mm -hmm. it's a place it's a place and so he establishes himself as an electrical contractor and invests in some real estate and he's doing pretty pretty good he's doing really good i think about like the 60s and 70s again i was not alive i wasn't you weren't alive no lisa you no absolutely not i'm still not how easy it seems to be to just go and set up somewhere like you get a job doing pretty much anything Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. survive and you're fine you're like i'm just gonna put in my grit and work it out and america was like okay great sounds good we'll pay you a living wage a living wage is two dollars an hour no your house is fifty dollars it's nothing it's if you're a woman you cannot own property or get a credit card without you know your husband or but in a general way it seemed minus like getting drafted seemed pretty great yeah 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 it was the land, the land of opportunity. It's like a nomadic nation, mm. micro nation, mm-hmm. nation. microdosing. Um, oh, this is a micro episode. Maybe I don't know. We'll find one in here. Micro penis. Yeah, this was like, probably. Does he have a yeah. micro penis? That's exactly what I was thinking. So he's doing so well that soon after he's like driving a Porsche, he's living this like rich playboy life. Because he's an electrician and he can just afford like a Porsche. He invested in real estate as well. Oh well, and. He, you know, you know, he has that like half Australian accent. Yeah. Where it comes and goes. And so and people are like, oh, mysterious. Right. Yeah. He bought an expensive home with a pool, more cars, a speedboat. He's like living it up. He had some, he had enough money to like dump into some expensive photo equipment. Uh-oh. For what? Mm, he obviously took this to beaches and malls. Looking for women and teenage girls to buy into a scam. What could the scam be? Modeling. (laughs) He'd Uh been using an alias and he posed as a professional photographer or a modeling talent agent, whichever suited him. And he was like, oh, my God, I just discovered you. You're amazing. I would love to help you develop your career. And then he would isolate them and sexually assault them. In 1974, he runs this scam in a Florida shopping mall, and he drugged, raped, and, or yeah, he drugged and raped a woman. He was arrested and, again, just got probation. In 1977, he's arrested for a similar thing, and uh, he, before the trial, he's evaluated by a court-appointed psychiatrist who says he is, quote, mentally disordered sex offender and quote not safe except in a structured environment obviously like 
a prison. Lock this man up. Mm -hmm. Charges were dropped. So Wilder stays in Florida. He visits his parents in Australia, which so he's allowed to leave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the charges were dropped. dropped. He's only gotten probation. This one, I guess, was different because he's not like going through a divorce. So he's like, I guess I'll stay. But he still went back to Australia to visit his uh, parents in 1982. Shortly after arriving in New South Wales, he's arrested again for sexual assault. He had returned to the beach that he went to quite a bit, Manly Beach. Two teenage victims between Christmas and New Year's, he kidnapped and assaulted the two girls, arrested, and he's also charged for taking nude photos of the girls. Parents bail him out. He leaves Australia before the trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never faces the charges, and because he's he's continuing to delay the trial, he he right. figured out, oh well, I can't. Oh well, I can't. So then, what follows this? Because at this point, he's like, my days are numbered here. So what follows is one of the most horrific things I've ever read, and I'm sorry. But he goes on this crime spree, and it ends up putting him on the FBI top ten most wanted list. So it all starts February 26, 1984. He is competing in the Miami Grand Prix. So again, race cars. He's got his Porsche. He likes to do this. Also, there is one of the booth babes, uh, Rosario Gonzalez. And she's a spokesmodel for an aspirin company, but they knew each other, right? Like, because he's gone to a few of these. Yeah. The circle of things, yeah. Yeah, he's gone to a few of these. She's gone to a few of these. They And they leave together, and she's never seen again. March 5th, Elizabeth Kenyon, who's 23 years old, disappears. She's last seen climbing into a Cadillac with a man that matches the description of Wilder. She also knew Wilder. She was a finalist for Miss Florida, and they dated for a time, and allegedly he proposed, and she was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. So it's suspected that he killed both of these women. Neither body was ever located. Kenyon's parents were, they hired a private investigator, and he, Wilder takes off. An investigator, or the investigator, gave information to the Miami Herald that linked local race car driver to the disappearance of two local women, and now the police are involved. I don't like it. Was that his title on like newspapers? Local race car driver, probably for this because that's how he met that first woman. It's so shit. That was the yeah. It's like it should be like local convicted rapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the cops are like, oh, shit, we should go get this guy. When they go to arrest him, he has taken $50,000 out of his account, and they can't find him. <laughs> he's in Tallahassee. Uh, 19-year-old Linda Grover, he's like, you could be on the cover of Vogue. And then he knocks her out with a blow to the head and throws her in the car. He drives to Georgia, trafficking, mm-hmm. checks into a hotel, and uh, this, I didn't even... I left some things out here, but it was really, really, really bad. She escapes to the, she escapes what she was tied in, electrical, goes to the bathroom, locks herself in, and starts to scream. So he takes off. Wilder then drives to Texas, kidnaps and kills Terry Walden, 24 years old. Her body is left in a canal, and the car is abandoned near Beaumont. 
DNA evidence, once they get to the car, links Wilder to uh, the disappearance of another missing woman because they find hair inside the car that belongs to 21-year-old Teresa Ferguson. Uh, She had been abducted from a mall in Merritt, Florida, and her body had been discovered in a Florida canal. So this hair they found in the car, it's all the way from back there. Right. So Wilder then goes to north goes north to Oklahoma in Terry Walden's Mercury Cougar, kidnaps a twenty one year old Suzanne Logan, drives to Newton, Kansas, where she's raped and murdered. The next victim is taken in Grand Junction, Colorado. Eighteen year old Cheryl Bonaventura from a mall. Then he goes to Vegas, where there is a seventeen magazine photo shoot. Oh no. Like, what kind of fucking Disneyland for that guy? He abducts one woman that loaned by one child, I'm sorry. A 17 year old Michelle Korfman. Then, yeah, he ends up dumping her body in South Southern California. And then while he's in SoCal, he kidnaps a 16 year old, Tina Marie Risico, and takes her to Indiana, assaulting her along the way, both physically and sexually. Outside of Gary, Indiana, he forces her to lure another girl into his car. Donna Willett, Wilt, they drive from Indiana to upstate New York. And then he, I just hate saying some of this, uh, beats and tortures Wilt for two days before leaving her for dead on the side of the road. Uh, she not dead, though. Donnette is alive. She flags down a car, gets medical attention, totally survives, tells cops he's on his way to Canada. And Victor, New York, so he gets to upstate New York. Does he still have the other girl with him? Okay. The one who had lured, Mm -hmm. he forced to lure. Okay. Mm -hmm. He shoots and kills 33-year-old Beth Dodge and steals her car. Uh, Again, that's in Victor, New York. And then he drives to Logan International in Boston and buys Risico. Mm-hmm. A ticket home to L.A. What they bonded? Mm-hmm. She, she, I mean, she could have. That's what I like. Yeah, made that made that like I'll get you somebody else. Kind, I can't imagine being put in that situation mm-hmm. where like if I can get somebody else, it could potentially get me out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I have the well, and he probably God. told her that too. Yeah, because yeah. then you're like struggling with it, and he's like, ah, she's. Uh. And then he's headed to Canada. So April 13th, 1984, Christopher Wilder stops at a gas station in Colebrook, New Hampshire. He is then cornered by two members of the New Hampshire Highway Patrol. He is 10 miles from the Canadian border at that point. And a trooper named Leo Jellison moves in. He tries to physically restrain him. And Wilder, I guess, had this on him but he was able to fire off two shots from a 357 magnum that mean if that means anything to anybody it's a big gun yeah and it i guess however he had it and however he was being held it both of the shots went through his chest like straight through his own heart one of them purposely like he was trying to shoot himself or he was trying to shoot the cop that was grabbing him or is it hard to tell it's kind of hard to tell but it seems like it's himself. he's offing himself. Yeah. Gotcha. But they when they did an autopsy and they were like ninety five percent he's trying to kill himself. So he died. Yeah, and it, one of the bullets exits and strikes Jellison. Wilder died almost instantly, and then Jellison survived. 
and he and his partner have gotten quite a few awards. So one thing is there were the first murder that he's tied to is like in the who believe I think it was the early 80s. Yeah. His string of by the way, I said February. Yeah. What's the time frame of this? Because it was the mm-hmm. spree of it. Mm-hmm. It was two months. That was a two month period of time was he being how many people did he kill the entire time because that's the he's he's obviously moving around a lot they know he kind of but because he was moving so far so fast and because he was like picking up a girl and then taking her to like two three four states over right it's like by the time they they know know she's missing missing, she's already gone and and it's the early 80s and nobody's talking to each other yeah they're all runaways the fbi no it's still bad back then but that's post we had a concept of a serial killer at that time, yes. for sure. Yes, and yes, we had stuff like the FBI and the CIA that would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he was on the top ten most wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most of the murders he's known for are in that string, that two month, less than two months right. period yeah. of all of those names. So I don't know what was that eight. <laughs> I should have counted. It felt like it was it's more eight. than that. Yeah. yeah. There are some from before that haven't been tied to him. So if we go back to January 1965 on Wanda Beach, which is not Manly Beach. In Australia. But it it is in Australia. There's two girls that are found dead, Christine Sherrick and Marianne Schmidt. Um, And they're just on Wanda Beach. And they're 15-year-old girls. They had been beaten, sexually assaulted, and stabbed to death. Because of that sexual assault, they did get that DNA. Yay. Um, I don't know if that's a yay, but. Yeah. I mean, just get what you can and yeah. hope for the best at that back in the 60s. And Christopher. And they did, couldn't really do anything with DNA back in the 60s besides like identify like gender. Like if like, you're a secretor. I feel like yeah. s- blood seminal was maybe. Well, they didn't really start being able to connect like DNA to people. But I think they would still collect Yes, because mm-hmm. like hair fiber, you could do that. You could do some stuff. With. You could do enough. It to wasn't get until like the nineties where it was like yeah. And so they this in the article this is from like this part comes in way later. So mm-hmm. it's almost one of those things where I'm like, y'all just had that semen in a jar. Yeah, I Which, guess they kind of were like, science is moving fast on this. Yeah, yeah, if we can keep it intact we will yeah yeah i mean and up to today where you do dna for ancestry and something from 1962 hits and it's your second fucking cousin who's a dirtbag yep that's yeah. why I'm i don't know if any it. of my second cousins are dirtbags i don't think so any of far you are dirtbags. we haven't been contacted okay have you looked lately okay so christopher wilder when those women or girls were on the beach they he was one of five thousand men interviewed about the murder girls which is weird to me. 5,000. That's a lot. 5,000. What do they count as an interview? Right. And is it when they're already interviewing somebody else for a different crime and I mean, they mention it? Right. Because they you do know, that. Uh, I they feel like a that. story like that, though, is probably really huge. Yeah. Like how many and people did like, they They probably had tons murders? and tons of cops yeah. talking to people. Yeah. yeah. Over the course of, tw- what, 20 years at that point? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would get... Well, this was like... Uh, 65 the early 80s. so this was like within three ish at least within three years mm-hmm. if not a shorter amount of time they talked to five thousand men so he'd been known you know they were like oh he's a beach boy he's a perv we've got these convictions again it's the 60s so like 
not a ton has happened as far as how bad this ended up getting. So there's no hard evidence, but his ex-wife and ex-mother-in-law start talking. And they're like, hey, this dude sucks. And he's done this and this. They get the divorce records. They see like what happened with that divorce. And um, he gets right back to the top of that list of of suspects. By the time the investigators got to the file that had been updated, he had fled to the U.S. So what a, if we remember his all of his business stuff, um, he did real good. In 1987, a Florida judge said that the, or Florida judge, the estate was worth $7.3 million. In 1986? 87, yeah. That's like bajillion dollars now. I know. Yeah. I know. So that happened in 1987. In 1986, proceeds were demanded that they be split among victims and families of those that had passed. So Terry Walden's family was awarded $3.6 million, which I... Honestly, that's one of the, um, I thought one of the, I don't want to say few, but it's kind of rare that you hear or read through like a story like this where the judicial system helped out the victims before they even knew anything about the estate. Like before they knew he had money? Yeah. Or like, just like, sorry, bro, fuck your family. Yeah. We're giving it to these people. Yeah. Well, there was money to give. Right. Right. But I don't know that they knew that because they made that call mm-hmm. a, a year before they knew his full estate. Satan. So the media outlets have revealed that they believe that there were more than $55 million in claims to his estate. So once it was like, if you are a survivor or if oh, you're a I'm family. I'm sure there are plenty of women out yeah. there that were assaulted. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and there, the claims are, or the estates being managed by a Florida attorney, Harold Holt, uh, his parent, Wilder's parents and brother who still resided in Australia had concerns about the estate. Obviously his will left the majority of his assets to his parents, but the lawsuits from his victims families blocked this transfer from happening. Good. Mm-hmm. Fuck um, his parents. Mm-hmm. Wilder's brother, John told the publication that they're reading from that. All of the money that the killer left to his family had never been received and was still quote tied up in the U S he also stated that the family did not want any of Wilder's money That's and good. that Wilder's surviving family members were concerned that the courts might find them financially liable for any suits against Wilder's mm. estate. So he's just like, look, we don't want it. We're just saying this because we can't cover. Yeah. Right. Because if they, yeah, if it wasn't as many, they'd be like, well, we I want mean, some of that money. I don't, can they do that? Like, I've, Maybe I'm wrong, but I've never heard of a family of a murderer being Culpable. held accountable for the damages that murderer caused. I mean, I don't think I so, think but it depends on the. I also think that the 80s, it, there was still so much like uncertainty right there in Australia. Like, do they even have guns? Like, no, I they don't. Is it one of like they have guns at on ranches? No, they got rid of all of their guns because yeah, there was because like a massacre that, that massacre. happened, yeah. and they were uh-huh. like they had one. They yeah. had one mass shooting. They went uh-huh. no guns. Was that the late? 80s? It was the eighties, yeah. And and I also think like because they're all in Australia and they're like I don't know how U.S. law works. Yeah. Like 
Right. So I don't know. It's not because they don't want to deal but with I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, don't know if I have heard of, unless the family's like weirdly involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're co-conspirators, but then they would have been like charged, I assume. In a way that they it. bailed him out. I don't know how... You, can't, you have a shithead kid like that, but, but you don't also, bail them out in other ways. I mean, I don't know if it's the same as in Australia, but there's like special consideration, like wives with their spouses and stuff like that. Like there's ways oh, to not, get around. Yeah, not having to like and testify. I, I think, yeah, like parents with their children. Yeah. I think I think maybe the same thing exists. It's, yeah, but it's... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mm. derail. Oh, it's fine. So they obviously think that there are a lot more victims than what they've mentioned um at least a dozen unsolved murders and missing persons cases from florida australia and new york all have clues that link wilder as a potential suspect but he gone after the wanda beach slaying police were alerted to the body of a 57 year old which that does kind of go out of the norm yeah, for him young. and then let's see daytona beach news journal said that Wilder is suspected to have killed 15-year-old Colleen Orsborne, who went missing from Daytona Beach, Florida. Wilder was in the vicinity when she was last seen alive, staying at a local motel. (laughs) A body in that area went unidentified until 2011 when DNA confirmed that the remains found were Orsborne. She had been missing since March 1984, which is right in that time. time. And then... Sherry Ball was an aspiring model who told her family she was going to New York with a friend to pursue a modeling career. The 20-year-old woman left her home in Boca Raton, Florida, and was never seen alive Mm. again. Her remains were found in western New York at a wildlife refuge. Years later, those remains were confirmed to be balls from DNA testing. Authorities in New York put Wilder on the top list of their suspects. Uh, is part of the murders of Christopher Wilder, who is, he does have his serial killer name, the Beauty Queen Killer. Oh, mm. fuck him. A real piece of shit. Yeah. I'm upset. I, and he was 39 when he. Yeah. Jeez. I'm looking at him, or I have been. It sucks because he has like kind of a soft, nice face. The one picture I saw. Right, that's where I'm probably like, why people were like, yeah. I'm like, right. I would trust and he's that. he's rich as fuck. They're probably like, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's fine. Well, and a couple of them, they, they knew him from like around, mm-hmm. right? This is why you gossip. This is why yes. women tell other women yeah. what the fuck is up. This is why you don't keep secrets. No, don't keep secrets. Yeah, this was, um, I was like, beauty queen killer, that kind of sounds fun. And then like halfway through it, I was like, I want to die and everything is terrible. Not fun at all, ma'am. Oh, he has a kid. He has one child. I know, I he does. That. Yeah, I was uh, looking for that. According like, to the I'm wiki, sure they've yeah fully fully removed themselves or him. I imagine it's a girl. I don't know. I mean, I always imagine serial killers have girl children. I mean, BTK had three, right? Yep. Yeah. Smiley face two. killer has one. Ew! Don't be a serial killer. It's even it's though it's gross. a lot harder to do nowadays. Embarrassing. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Grow up. Grow up. Get it together. Like, care about people. It's way harder than hating everyone. It's not even... It's just compulsion. We should get Lisa to start talking to, like, murderers and stuff. You just go in and you're like, hey. Not cool, okay? Hey. Why? 
But like, like why are you number like this? one? Ew. <laughs> number two, that is not nice. Just so you know, you're not even page one on the burn book of yeah. serial killers. Yes. I'm sure that addressing a male serial killer who predominantly kills women in a condescending, dismissive tone will absolutely cure them of their serial killerness. 100%. I agree. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. It embarrass them. Yeah, I mean, their moms are dead. That's why they're doing this. And, and they want to kill and their mom moms. them. Yeah. If you want to kill your mom, just kill your mom. F- <laughs> Ed Kemper it. Just kill your mom. I don't understand. I mean, You're adding he also layers. killed women. He did. He did. But he stopped when he killed his mom. He went and turned himself in. I'm not saying he's good. I'm not saying he's good. I'm saying he added too many steps when he could have started with killing Just his mom. Just killing his mom straight Don't up. kill anybody. But he did murder his grandparents before. Yeah. And he was in an institution. And then he killed a bunch of women. Yeah. He was fine, he though. He mom. wasn't going to do it, as we know. Okay. They just have to have that psychological oh. thing. And they're like, they're fine. I'm I saw something spooky outside. I'm going to go pee. Oh, I'm going to go see what it is. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Everyone's going to pee. Wait, are we done? Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> thanks for listening. I'm going to go see what's scary outside. And uh, tell your friends about us. And uh, we'll see you later. Stay spooky. Um, Don't. Get don't depressed. I don't know. Let's go what check a, this ghost out. Okay. That's a down way to end everything, but what the fuck ever. Goodbye. Yeah.